These are true stories from the files of the TV show Unsolved Mysteries. What you're about to hear is not a news broadcast, nor is it affiliated or officially associated with the TV show Unsolved Mysteries. Join me. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. 22-year-old Doreen Picard and 27-year-old Susan Laferte lived in an apartment complex in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Doreen was studying for a career in childhood development. She lived alone in the upstairs apartment. Susan was a housewife and an active member of the neighborhood watch. She lived with her husband, Ernie, and their two children. The Laferde family owned the apartment complex. On February 19, 1982, Doreen began packing to move out of the apartment. That afternoon, Susan had lunch with her sister, Carol Rivet, in Susan's apartment. At 1.30 p.m., two of her friends arrived there. Carol recognized one of them, but did not the other. I knew one of the guys, but the other guy I didn't know, and she introduced me to him. Susan told her they were planning to look at puppies that Susan was selling. She talked to them for a few minutes until they left. Carol left at around 1.45 p.m., 10 minutes later. Sometime after that, Susan went downstairs to the basement to do laundry. Doreen was also there doing laundry at the same time. At some point, an unidentified man appeared and brutally beat them with a pipe. At 3.20 p.m., Doug Heath, who also lived at the apartment complex, discovered Susan's three-year-old daughter, Nicole, unattended in the hallway, locked out of the apartment. When he asked where her mother was, she told him she was in the basement. Doug then discovered Susan and Doreen's bodies and called the police. I saw a body leaned up against the dryer. In the same instant, I turned to my left and I saw Sue lying face down in a puddle of blood. It hit me right then and there that the murder or something really bad had happened. Doreen died from the attack on scene and Susan suffered serious injuries. She was in surgery for over two hours. Ernie was told that she was hanging by a thread and was close to death. Miraculously, she survived the brutal attack. However, she remained in a deep coma for 30 days. Fearful for her safety, police guarded her room around the clock. It was obvious to us that the perpetrator, in his mind, had left both girls for dead. We immediately became worried that he would realize that there was a witness to the attack and that he would come back and try to eliminate that witness by killing her. It was clear the assailant left both women for dead, so police feared he could return if he learned Susan had survived. They hoped she would be able to identify her attacker when she emerged from her coma. However, when she awoke 30 days later, she had absolutely no memories of the attack on her and Doreen or of her attacker. In fact, she could not remember anything after December 31st, 1981. Three-year-old Nicole was the only witness that could describe the assailant. She told her grandmother, Florence, that she let him in the building, believing he was one of her mother's friends. She said he then went downstairs and returned several minutes later, locking her out. Before he left, she saw the man with a lead pipe 
and a white rag with bloodstains in his back pocket. Authorities were unable to use her testimony as evidence because of her young age. The killer left the murder weapon, the lead pipe, hidden in the house. It was found four days later. Authorities believe the killer may have chosen the victims after reading one of the advertisements from the newspaper. Either the puppies for sale by Susan or the apartment for rent by Doreen. It's a complex case because of the different factors involved. First, we have two victims. And those victims all bring their individual traits with them. They have their own friends. Uh, they were involved in different things. There was also two newspaper ads that had been running. One was for puppies for sale, and the other was for an apartment for rent. The perpetrator might have responded to one of the ads, was a friend of either one of the victims or their family, or was just a total stranger. Authorities do not know if the killer was a close friend of the victims, an acquaintance, or a complete stranger. Following the murder, Doreen's parents conducted their own informal investigation into their daughter's murder. In the months following the murder, they received several anonymous phone calls telling them to stop investigating their daughter's case. Two months after Doreen was killed, I received a phone call about 2 a.m. He said that I should be concerned with my family and my children and not pursue the matter uh, so hard. And that for openers, they might burn my garage down my repair shop. The callers threatened to hurt family members and burn down Doreen's father's repair shop. Three-year-old Nicole said the killer had a mustache, wore a hat with a visor, jeans and sneakers, and was somewhat taller than her father. However, the description may not be accurate due to Nicole's age at the time of the attack. This case first aired on Unsolved Mysteries on May 18, 1988. In June 1991, 38-year-old Raymond Beaver Tempest Jr. was arrested and charged in Doreen's murder and Susan's attack. Investigators learned that he and Susan were allegedly having an affair around the time of the attack. He was also one of the two men that visited Susan in her apartment shortly before the attack. He had actually been a suspect from the beginning, but authorities did not have any evidence to substantiate the rumors at the time. After the case aired on Unsolved Mysteries, authorities received tips that led to several key witnesses. As a result of the witnesses coming forward, Tempest was reinvestigated and later arrested. Some of the witnesses came forward saying Tempest had confessed or bragged about the murder. He allegedly threatened some of them not to tell the police. According to some witnesses, he also claimed that he was able to cover up his involvement because of the connections with the police. He also told witnesses that those involved in investigating him would be taken care of. A witness placed a four-door maroon sedan at the scene. Tempest's brother-in-law owned a car that matched this description, and Tempest was driving it around at the time of the attack. Another witness reported that shortly after the attack, he had a bite or scratch mark on his wrist that was not there earlier. He also had changed his boots. He also could not come up with a solid alibi for the time of the attack. Witnesses also claimed that he asked them to be his alibi for the time of the attack. Authorities believed he and Susan got into an argument that turned violent when he began viciously beating her. They believe he killed Doreen because she walked in on the attack and tried to help her. This theory matched what he told one witness in his confession to them. They also believe that his brother Gordon, a police officer at the time, helped cover up for his brother by wiping off fingerprints and tampering with some of the evidence. A witness claimed to have seen Gordon moving the murder weapon to a different part of the apartment. 
In April of 1992, Beaver Tempest was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 85 years in prison. Gordon was convicted of perjury in connection with the case. Prosecutors claim that along with a cover-up, Tempest's family also helped intimidate witnesses involved in the case. In 2014, Tempest approached the New England Innocence Project for help in seeking out DNA testing in an effort to clear his name. It was suggested that his arrest and conviction were the result of the coercion of witnesses by corrupt police officials and the overzealousness of prosecutors. Tempest claims that Woonsocket Police and A.G. James Ryan and Randy White all knew who really killed Doreen Picard, but had covered up facts to protect the guilty and convict the innocent. Tempest claims the real killer is a man named Donald Degasi who died in 2011. According to Susan's relatives after Doreen's funeral, Nicole identified Degasi as her mother's attacker. After she awoke from her coma, Susan apparently identified Degasi as her attacker, but later claimed she did not remember the assailant. However, the request in 2014 was not accepted by the court, and in 2015, the issues were presented in court. As of this recording, DNA testing is inconclusive. Two of the hairs found in Doreen's hand did not match Tempest, but according to investigators, they could have came from the laundry room floor. In July 2015, a state superior court judge decided to vacate Beaver Tempest's conviction based on unreliability of witnesses and alleged prosecutorial misconduct. Tempest was released on bail while the state debated on whether or not to retry him for Doreen's murder. In March 2017, the state announced they planned to retry him. However, in December 2017, Tempest entered an offered plea on the murder charge, which meant that he maintained his innocence but agreed that there was enough evidence to convict him. As a result of the plea, he was released from prison. As of this recording, this case is considered closed. Some of these stories remain unsolved. Perhaps someone out there listening holds the vital answer to solving the mystery. Perhaps it's you.